Hello and welcome to The Planet Today. It is Monday, January 23rd, 2023. Here on TPT, we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy every single Friday with bonus interviews on Monday and a shorter episode on the first Monday of each month. I'm your host, Matt Norton, here by myself today because we are about to air my interview with Graham Hill of The Carbonauts. Before we get into things, here's a quick note from one of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. Today on the planet today, we are joined by Graham Hill, founder and CEO of The Carbonauts, a company that teaches people how to reduce their carbon footprints in under six weeks while saving money and influencing others. They believe if we can get 3.5% of the world's population to live compelling, low footprint lives, a tipping point will be reached and governments and companies will pave the way for the rest of society to quickly transition to a sustainable way of life. Graham Hill, welcome to the planet today. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Excited to get to know you a little better, and I'm sure the listeners are excited as well. So let's start this one from the beginning. What first got you interested in the environment and sustainability? Uh, parents is probably the, <laughs> the initial start, and I think that's good to remember. If you uh, have kids or interact with kids, it does really make a difference. And yeah, I just had what I view as cool parents that were uh, fairly focused on uh, this stuff, at least compared to others. I think that was a big mm-hmm. component. And then really books later on. So I somehow in my university years stumbled across Diet for a New America, which is a book on vegetarianism. And that really influenced me to the point that I was a vegetarian for five years. And I'm now a cheating weekday vegetarian. <laughs> and uh, and then I guess later on, really, in 2000 was... Um, couple things there. One was Natural Capitalism, mm-hmm. a book by Paul Hawken and Hunter and Amory Lovins. I think that really inspired me. Uh, and then an organization called The Natural Step, which is around, uh, I think, to, to this day. So uh, those were probably the main things that uh, inspired me. Yeah, thanks. I wonder how many people heard you first start talking and saying your parents and were thinking, oh, yeah, me too, because some people get into it in spite of their parents. But no, it sounds like you had the healthy route. <laughs> Yeah, some some people rebel against for sure, and that that's a perfectly valid uh, <laughs> way to go as well. But no, mine were yeah. At least I came around. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and they sound like really impactful books. So I don't know. Anytime somebody comes on and name drops a couple of books, I'm always like, all right, let's let's add those to the list. <laughs> it's old. Uh, obviously, Natural Capitalism came out in 2000. 
and uh, Die for New America a, a long time before that was oh eighty seven. Wow, for that one. So that was uh, pretty pretty early. But but yeah, I think books are very powerful. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. So yeah. Yeah, definitely, and, uh, definitely agree there. So what led you to take that interest that you have in this field and start the Carbonauts? And I guess, what is your team doing to fight climate change? So I've had a, a, a long career at this point, which is amazing to say, but um, I had a, built an internet company in 95, had some success with that. And that's what gave me the opportunity to be really choosy about what I did with my life. Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing environmental stuff since 2000, worked on a plant-based air filter and then in 2004, uh, finally uh, pressed the trigger on an idea I had had since 2000, which was to build a, a green website. And so I built wow. greenhugger.com in 2004, which uh, is you can't sort of tell now because you don't have the context, but it was really revolutionary. And so it's the biggest green site on the web for a number of years there and still going strong many, many billions of page views later. Uh, and yeah, great site. So I had sort of a long history and then I did a bunch of small living throughout uh, the 2010s, I guess. Cover of Dwell for one of my transforming apartments. Uh, I have a TED talk on the topic. So I've been at this for quite a while, uh, but uh, four years ago or so, I realized that uh, the small living stuff wasn't for me. I didn't want to be a real estate developer and uh, just wasn't a good fit. And so I sort of went back to something much closer to tree hugger mm-hmm. and uh, that was the Carbonauts. And so the big difference between then and, and 2004 was that back in 2004, it was about mainstreaming green, about it, getting more awareness out there. That was a valid thing to be pursuing. We've got awareness now. Mm-hmm. Awareness is really high and that's great. And climate doesn't care about awareness. Climate does not care about our feelings. It just doesn't. And so ultimately, at some point, you got to start to take action. And that's what climate cares about. It's a bit of a physics question. And so it is about the things that we are doing. And so I became obsessed with the idea of, or the challenge really, of how do you move people from awareness to action? How do you Mm -hmm. get people to actually do the things? You can't come up with great solutions if people don't take them up. And if people do take them up, that's the way you get volume and you get build a social norm. So they really, so price pricing comes down and uh, more and more people take, take the solutions up. And so action is really important. And so got into the very difficult game of, of, of behavior change and uh, love it. We're pretty good at it so far. And so the Carbonauts uh, went left and right, zigzagged a little bit, but basically came to focus on businesses. So we're mostly B2B. We work for uh, an amazing set of clients. Uh, very fortunately, uh, Amazon, AT&T, Toyota, Chanel, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, Netflix, etc. And we are, they look at us mostly in terms of employee engagement. So we help them on their ESG. Oh, cool. Also uh, HR goals. Uh, and the way that we do that is we teach live cameras on highly interactive workshops on sustainability and largely about educating people but really about getting them to take action getting them to to become to change their identities somewhat uh and 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 really uh change their cultures so we're in we've got a very long way to go 
in a short period of time. Uh, luckily, many of these companies have really big, aggressive sustainability goals. But culture eats strategy. You got to get mm -hmm. people rowing in the same direction. You got to get everyone on board if we're going to move a long way in a short period of time. And so we help companies move their cultures to cultures of sustainability. Uh, we do work on the company itself in terms of uh, sort of what uh, what you can do sustainably, sustainably there. But our big sort of sleight of hand is to get people engaged, we have them focus on their homes. So for most people, home is number one. And so we uh, lead them through these workshops, we get, get them focused on, the, on their home. Uh, and by doing that, uh, it's easy to get them enthusiastic and really engaged and climate literate. And of course, all the stuff that they learn applies back to the company itself. So we run all sorts of workshops for a great set of clients uh, focused on getting people climate literate and taking action. It's so interesting, right? Because the first step is is that climate literacy. You're not going to be able to take on this new challenge without understanding what it is and why it's important and, and really ultimately why we need to care because it's not a problem that cares about whether or not we care. Like you said, it, it's, it's yeah. going to keep changing day after day after day until yeah. we as a society create that greater change to get us back on the right track. Yeah. I, I, I would actually, interestingly, I might've, I might've, I differ a little at this point uh, in that I don't even think you really truly need to understand. I think what it's social norms is what's really important. And it's really about what the people around you are doing. And so you don't even need to understand it. And that has been, you know, and very terrifyingly has been illustrated in the past number of years as we move to a post fact based society. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what the facts are. What matters is your tribe and what your tribe are doing. So yeah, we, I mean, we of course educate and we, we work on that basis, but I would say what's really important is this is, is the building of the social norms around this stuff. And, and you, people will do people's behavior depend on the people around them. And even if they don't necessarily fully comprehend everything. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And it kind of reminds me of something that I forget who it might've been one of my professors in, in grad school talking about just the greater societal impacts of climate change. And they were saying, it's hardly even a science problem anymore. We know the science. It's decided. Yeah. At this point, climate change is a marketing problem. Yep. And I, it just kind of blew my mind because here I am trying to focus on environmental policy. And I was like, wow, yeah, that makes so much sense. Well, I mean, I think you're right to be focused on environmental policy as one of the many. Sure. got to be doing all sorts of things. And we absolutely need need uh, policy. But yeah, this is mostly just sort of getting getting people uh, getting people on board. Yeah. Whether you're in government or business or in your home life. So how would you say the modern environmental movement is doing in this current fight we have going on against climate change? Pretty crap. Yep. It's <laughs> <laughs> the short of it. <laughs> and I count myself in there and yeah, we're learning. It's, it's a very, very difficult problem. Sure. It's, it's long term. It's in, invisible. You know, your, your efforts can seem like a drop in the bucket so it's really it's really really tricky and yeah we haven't done a we haven't done a great job we've known about this for a long time and if if we could have done a good job we wouldn't be in the nightmare <laughs> that we are 
So yeah, pretty bad, pretty uh, bad job, and uh, also understandable. We're just uh, we're learning about how humans work. Period, and yeah, it's a very difficult problem. So and uh, and I I've, I've been part of that. So I haven't, you know, I I have been at it for a long time, and I also haven't done a great job. So I'm not trying to point fingers at anyone. Yeah, I think behavior change is something that's so hard to expect to happen quickly because you know we have at this point centuries of proof to realize progress is slow and it's this ongoing battle that we're facing day after day to make slow incremental movements that get us in the right direction and unfortunately climate change is kind of outpacing that so that's where that urgency comes from that a lot of people are in the environmental movement have it's frustrating you know it's it's tough to look at some of these things and say hey we have eight years to really right the ship in in this direction and we're wasting three months on this. So yes. it's it's little stuff like that where it's hard to not stay hopeful sometimes. But at the same sense, as soon as we stop staying hopeful, is it, that's when we lose the fight. Absolutely. There, and, and I would say, yeah, you want to be careful. And, and there's such a thing as climate anxiety. We literally teach yeah. a workshop on it to help people move past it. So it's a, it's a, it's a very real thing. And, and, and it's an understandable reaction. And... There's some incredible news uh, coming out all the time and some really, really inspiring moves by governments, by individuals, by companies. There's a lot to be very hopeful for. Mm -hmm. And it's it's also in a way the bad weather is is terrible. It's all our our, all our analogies are hard to use, but but fuel for the fire. We're really, there's, yeah, we're, it's becoming, uh, it used to be so far off and, and seemingly abstract, and now it's, in, in a way, luckily, uh, uh, becoming real. And so that's yeah. going to help us really make the, you know, that's our biggest challenge. It's just been so abstract, and we're very used to focusing on the, you know, the tiger coming through the jungle and mm-hmm. not this sort of long-term threat of something, even though that might be uh, what we want to be focused on. Yeah, that that's something that my co-host on the show, Nick, brings up often when, you know, the inevitable millennial frustration comes out of us. And he's like, this used to be a problem that people would always say, don't you care about your kids? Don't you care about your grandkids? And now it's like, don't you care about yourself? <laughs> it's oh, yeah. here. We're seeing these impacts yep. all the time of, of, you know, more intense storms than we've ever seen before. And yep. still, you know, to have some people who don't believe in it. It's like, at one, at what point do we say, do you not believe in gravity? <laughs> like it's, it's scientific fact at this point. Yeah. And I think yep. leading workshops like you're doing to get people either more climate literate or just impacting societal shifts. That's a huge step in the right direction. Yeah. I think it's really important. And I think, uh, we, we just need to get people, everybody moving mm-hmm. and doing things. And it's, for a long time, people are always like, well, what are we going to do about the deniers? We gotta... And I, I used to say, not deniers, we've got to be focused on the choir. Because it was clear, like a lot of people can feel like they're doing something, but when you really ask them about it, you realize not much is happening. And I think it's, it's, even, worse, <laughs> it's even worse than that. It's like a portion yeah. of, really a portion of the choir that's, that, that's, um, that's doing much, so... Yeah, we got to get, uh, yeah, I don't think we need to be worried about the, the climate deniers. I need to be focused on our, our, our supporting change agents uh, 
and just getting the, your everyday person who cares about this stuff to just start doing the thing. Might be, you know, signing up for renewable energy from your utility, something that takes uh, 10 minutes to do. Yeah. It, it kind of just reminds me of, you know, I forget how many years it was here in New York, but I remember being pretty, actually very young when you couldn't smoke in restaurants anymore. And I feel like that's something where for our parents' generation, they're thinking that would never, that would never fly here. People smoke in restaurants and bars all the time. And all of a sudden it gets banned and it's like society just naturally kind of follows it. And now after however long, it's such an odd thought to think of smoking in a bar. Yes. And the same with renewable energy, you know, in hopefully in 10 years, it's going to be weird to think of people who aren't opting into renewable energy, who aren't getting at least a good portion of their home from solar and wind in some local part of their electric grid. So, yeah, the societal shift is exciting and hopefully it happens quicker in the next couple of years with passages of a lot of different local and federal laws but yeah it's an exciting time to be fighting climate change and that's for me what kind of outweighs that climate anxiety that is hard not to feel sometimes 100 percent with you and, and it's incredible the smoking reference is just such a good one you literally like you're saying that and i'm thinking like oh yeah they literally we used to do that it's yeah so crazy <laughs> and it was it's really yeah. not that long ago so and i think that i think that the, the the interesting kernel in that is just that we intuitively know what makes sense. And mm-hmm. yet somehow we look past that in terms of smoking. Like we knew for decades yeah. <laughs> it was terrible for us. And yet we were literally people could smoke in, inside in restaurants. It's so crazy. And yeah, we'll see yeah. example after example of that. And I think one, as a person who's a weekday vegetarian, still eats some meat, I think an example of that, not to get everyone sort of freaked out, but uh, I do think we will look back in less than 20 years and, and really be like, we were eating animals? Like, we're, and we're, this much? Killing, like, it's like 90 billion of them a year, mostly living in torturous, I mean, it's just, I think that's one of the ones we'll look back about, but oh, we, what, we did? Yeah. It seems crazy. And, uh, you know, yeah. I'll probably eat some for dinner tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's perfect, yeah. right? I had some for lunch, so hand up that one. That one's on me as well. <laughs> so what are some ways that our listeners at home can lower their own environmental foot- footprints? Um, great question. And uh, I would say we, we tend to focus on what we call the big six. And these are the six most impactful things for most people. But it, it does any any true answer probably to any question that you a- ask on this podcast it, is it depends. Yeah, uh, it's a, <laughs> there's a lot of nuance in this nuance whole movement. world. And we need to understand that nuance is por- important and, and all the parameters do matter. But in general, uh, the big six are switch to, switch to renewable energy. And, and all these are in the context of what you're able to do. Some people, uh, mm-hmm. things are close to the wire. They don't have the money. Some of this stuff costs money or, or requires investment, even though it's a fantastic investment to make. So uh, if you yeah. can switch to renewable energy, uh, you can switch via your utility. You can get on community solar sometimes, which will actually save you money while going green. Get solar panels if you're lucky to own your own home which may make you maybe a great investment over time. So renewable energy. Uh, If you drive, try to reduce miles driven and electrify as many of them as possible. So try to get yourself into an EV. 
which by the way, if you don't need a lot of range on a daily, a uh, secondhand EV can make a lot of financial sense. Uh, so that's drive electric. Uh, food related things, so move to a plant rich diet, you know, vegans, awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but vegetarian, also great, and partially vegetarian, also great. Whatever you can do, move away from beef and lamb as much as possible uh, and mm -hmm. move to a more of a plant-rich diet. Reduce food waste. Food waste, turns out, is uh, has actually really big impacts. That can be a great way to save yourself some money, uh, and it's just a really, really good thing to do. So reduce your food waste, and then whatever you have left over, uh, compost it. So compost mm -hmm. either through some sort of program or via home, which you can do inside in an apartment. It's not complicated and it's actually people that really get into it. So those are the food related things. Flying, uh, some people only don't fly or fly very little. For those that do more than that, uh, flying has tremendous impact. So we share a lot of tips and tricks as to how you can reduce that, like stacking trips together, for example. Uh, or going less often but staying longer. Uh, you can also uh, sign up. You can buy flights that are greener. And so flying is something to look at. Uh, offsets, uh, if you can afford it, buying as many as you can of uh, the high-quality ones, such as refrigerant destruction or methane capture. Um, so there are a bunch of nerdy ones out there. John Oliver, I love him to death, did a bit of a disservice to this whole area. Uh, offsets are an important part of the overall picture, uh, and there's a lot of crap in them as well. But you, there are big mm -hmm. projects that need to be supported, and most of us can't get anywhere close to zero in our footprint, so great thing to support. Uh, and then finally, uh, building social norms. And so that means uh, sharing. That's the easy one, right? <laughs> well, no, I would say it takes effort and you really have to think about your approach. So this is not being yeah. nagging. This is not being preachy. This is not being judgy. This is just starting to talk about the stuff that you're considering doing or are already doing. Helpful, mm -hmm. asking questions and making it okay for other people to get interested and to take action on, on environmental matters. Uh, often you don't know who, what other people are doing it. And the more it yeah. feels like a lot of us are doing it, uh, the more the whole world will change. So social norms is, is that's why it's part of the big six might yeah. be the most important thing, period. Uh, but that is definitely, uh, one that, uh, we urge people to do. So this is the big six. It's interesting with that last one too. Something that just popped up in my head was veganism. You know, I remember, 10 years ago, we weren't hearing about all these vegan restaurants in, you know, areas outside of like New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago. Wow. Now, I mean, there's vegan restaurants all over and it's way less common to to meet someone who doesn't know somebody that's vegan at this point. Yeah. Or at the very least, like I, I love the David Attenborough approach where I heard him talking about it one time where he was like, in my home, I'm vegan. When I'm out and I'm at a friend's house or out at a party or an event, he takes what's on the menu. And, you know, you don't have to let perfect and still really good be enemies of each other. So, I, you know, whenever people are like, oh, I could never go vegan. I can't give up cheese. So <laughs> eat, eat your cheese. Yeah, and then yeah exactly. Cut everything so else out the, if you I, want. You know what I mean? I have a TED talk called Weekday Vegetarian, and that's exactly 
the premise. And the idea is don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. A lot of people aren't ready to have their last hamburger, their last chicken wings, their last steak. And so they don't do anything. And that's not a great yeah. answer. So if you can eat half as much meat, uh, you, that's, you know, if the world ate half as much meat, it would be like half of the world was vegetarian. I find uh, the former a lot easier to imagine than the latter. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. So yeah, don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. So it could be that you're vegan before six. It could be your your meatless mm -hmm. Mondays. It could be weekday vegetarian. It could be uh, we have go through a whole bunch of uh, names for them: yeah. fish and fowl, or street meat, or uh, what is it, uh, vampire. Um, as in you don't eat it until at night or whatever. Gotcha. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, so I want to switch gears a little bit back towards lowering emissions, intense lifestyles and talk more about some of the world's wealthiest people and the emissions, intense lifestyles that they live. So what are some of the ways you feel that we, as the listeners of this podcast, um, can, can influence that? Because I think that's that top part of the approach that you do get a lot of people who say, you know, why should I care about my own environmental footprint when you have so-and-so who's generating all of these emissions with their private jet flights all the time? And, and it's a valid question, but what what is your response to that sort of approach? Well, I think this is a big challenge uh, with humans, period, and, and with this uh, area of the world. Also, it, mm -hmm. humans love to blame and point fingers and, and just make it someone else's thing. Yep. I think you want to start any moral question with yourself. Uh, and so I think that's really important. And yeah, there are, and it, this is often played out between business and government and personal, like should it be personal change or corporate change or government and everyone just wants the other people to do it. And the yeah. reality is we've got to get all hands on deck. Everyone plays a part. Uh, and I, I think the way I would look at it, yeah, some rich people are not there yet. And so uh, and they do have outsized uh, footprints. Uh, and the way to, to have them change is social norms mm -hmm. as we make it less and less cool. I mean, and you can see it happening. The what, One of the Jenners or Kenners or whatever they're called that <laughs> some, took, took some private jet for like a 15 minute and everyone like got upset about it and you know that's, people were pissed <laughs> yeah that's an illustration of social norms at work and so uh by just uh working on your own stuff and then talking about it in a cool non-judgy way i think that's a great way to you don't want to ostracize those rich people yeah. either you want to you want to bring them you want to bring them in and uh wherever you are and uh, you know basically from the sounds of it on a per ton basis, we probably have to, to fairly divvy up the emissions for the planet. You gotta be around two tons. That's a very low number. Americans are at 16-ish. Yeah. Okay? So you may not, the rich, a super rich person might be at 80, mm -hmm. but you might be at 16, or maybe you're doing a pretty good job and, and, and you're at 10 or something if you live in the US. Uh, even if you live in uh, places that are much more eco-oriented, uh, like Europe, that might be at five or six, you're still way above that that low number of two. Yeah, yeah. So all of us have something to do. And while it's tempting to point upwards, 
there is probably someone behind us that could be pointing at us. And so it's, you know, do as much as you can be supportive and let's, let's build the social norms so that, uh, yeah, we can all get to the two tons, which is re going to require government and corporations and a lot of innovation and, a, and some personal change. Yeah, that, that's a, a really good point and actually kind of segues nicely into my last question. So I feel like that's very much hinting at the puzzle piece analogy where there are so many individual pieces in this puzzle of lowering global emissions that just because some people might have the bigger puzzle piece doesn't mean that the smaller ones don't matter as much. So another puzzle piece to look at is how can businesses, governments, startups, NGOs, whatever we want to throw out there, how can basically all of us work together to address that climate crisis? So I think a common theme you'll hear from me is like stop pointing fingers and focus on yourselves. I think that's the big one. We're all complicit in, in this. And then I think probably let the other areas uh, know what would be helpful for your area. So if you're like business, you might let government know what kind of regulation uh, or incentives or whatever would be helpful. And then probably also turn around, ask what might be helpful to them so we can just get good cooperation across. So this is we're all in this together and, and we need to all support each other uh, in getting where we need to go. So we're, the, the, the reality of this is, I think, in general, we need a lot more intellectual honesty. Mm -hmm. And the reality of this is like we can point fingers at big oil and at big lumber and all this, but show me a person who hasn't lived in a wood house and hasn't used plastic or driven in automobiles. And it's just like, we're all complicit in this. Yeah. We need to help those companies transition. They're composed of lots of people who need jobs and uh, and we might have easily worked in these companies to, if we had different situations. And so uh, it's not. Yeah, let's all be literally let's all be intellectually honest about uh, how much we've gained from these various systems and help people transition and yeah, just be supportive to business, be supportive to government, be supportive to the individuals uh, to help us all get where we're, we're where we need to go. Absolutely love that. So, Graham, first off, thank you so much for your time. This was great. I really, really enjoyed getting to know you, getting to learn more about what you and your team are doing. So if people want to keep up with you or keep up with the Carbonauts, where is the best place to do that? Thank you. It's been fun talking to you. So uh, we're pretty stealth, but our, our website, which has a newsletter, is thecarbonauts.com. Or if you just search the plural of Carbonauts, um, that's us. Mm -hmm. uh, on the sort of personal level, I mean, what what we're looking for are evolved companies, generally larger ones, uh, that are interested in, in our services. We're we're here to help you on your ESG and HR goals, and help you move your cultures, which are, uh, which needs to happen if you're going to get to where you want to go. And so uh, that yeah, that's uh, largely what we're looking for. So feel free to reach out to me, Graham at thecarbonauts.com. Uh, or slide by the carbonauts.com our website and grab a newsletter or um, yeah, drop us a line. Awesome. I will uh, link that in the show notes. I'll link your Ted talk as well. 
Um, and before we let you go, we end every interview with three fun rapid fire questions. Ready for them? Make me nervous. <laughs> Number one, what is your favorite animal? <laughs> uh, I, I have some strange connection with the humpback whale. Spent a lot of time in Maui and been around them a lot. And I don't know. They're important to me. Humpback. Awesome. Number two, what is something that you do to be more sustainable in your own life? I mean, I try to do as much as I can uh, in the context of modern society. So I'd say the, the, a fun way to reframe that might be sort of what are you doing that feels sacrificial? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's, uh, I'm a son of an airline pilot and I've been to 90 countries. I love travel more than anything. I have friends all over and I've really been trying to focus on not flying. And I've, I've done a, a, a reasonable job amongst funerals and weddings and things you just it's really hard to say no to um so yeah that's been my big one but i drive electric uh i'm a weekday vegetarian i i have renewable energy at home uh yeah i try to do uh i try to do all those things i try to buy offsets uh and i certainly yeah and i put all my yeah i focused on it for the last 22 yeah. years <laughs> got, got your hands in everything <laughs> And put great money at a lot. I made, I've been lucky to make money, but I've also, I put money at risk and Garbonauts is, you know, we're not there yet, but I've, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do my best and, and appreciate anyone uh, doing whatever large or small part they can as well. We, we really need it. Yeah. It, it all adds up. Last question. What is one environmental topic you think my listeners should be more aware of after hearing from you today? So I, I think most people get, flying but flying is really has huge impacts uh and i think one that's just i think people get renewable energy but i don't think people understand how easy it is and how impactful it is so i'm cheating and giving you two things <laughs> but i mean you literally in the u.s can sign up for renewable energy via online or website in about 10 minutes it does cost a little bit more in general unless you get community solar in which case you're going to save money uh, but it makes a really big difference like often 10 tons for a mm -hmm. household like it's it's powerful and we really want to send a message uh to corporations and the government and, and other individuals that we really care about renewable energy that is huge that is going to be worth hundreds and hundreds of years of you focusing on being a great recycler just switch to renewable energy awesome absolutely thanks again graham really appreciate your time today and it was great talking to you that's fun all right, that is it for today's show. Thanks again to Graham for his time today. Make sure to hit the link in your show notes to learn more about the Carbonauts. Nick and I will be back on Friday for some quick hits to send you into your weekend. But until then, make sure to follow along on our socials at Planet Today Pod for more TPT. For the Planet Today, I am Matt Norton. See you on Friday.